Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 16th of March, 2023. Happy Thursday to you, that much closer to the weekend. God knows I'm already sick of this week. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate it. So much stupid going on in the world. We're going to get to all of it. We can, but first, let me ask you, employ you to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to check out the uh, happenings there support the program and all that good stuff it'd be much much appreciated you'd be my hero five bucks a month and you get to enter win an autographed book either by christy gnome or ivanka trump nobody else has given you that kind of stuff to support a show for the love of god nobody appreciates their audience more than i do here at this show all right that is enough begging let us get on with the news Lots of stuff going on in the news today. You've got uh, more banking issues. It's just a mess. Um, how did everybody miss all of this? All these warnings. Oh, my God. It's a horrible situation. The bank is overcapitalized. The bank is this. The bank is that. There were people shorting Silicon Valley Bank and pub- being public about it. Moody's, I think it was, downgraded them. How did nobody at the FDIC, how did nobody in the federal government, let me see, put it this way. How did nobody with a job to know this stuff, know this stuff? How did nobody know? And by the way, I just want to state for the record right now as we're just barely getting into this scandal, and it is a scandal. You watch and see if anybody loses their job in the federal government over at the FDIC. Do you really, I mean, there's a level of competence that people have demonstrated a lack of competence that has gone uh, unremarked upon by this administration. The only person I can think of who's been fired for anything was that Sam Britton, that cross-dressing weirdo who was only hired because he was a cross-dresser who was stealing luggage in his spare time for women because while he was paid quite well in his government job and all the diversity hire gigs he'd had before, he uh, didn't want to have his salary go towards a clothing budget. You You can understand that, right? Who wants to buy things when you can just steal them? This weekend, the kids and I are going to go out to a BWI and see if we can't find ourselves a, a nice outfit for uh, spring outings. Just unbelievable. But he's the only person who's been fired for any reason whatsoever. Hell, other diver- Mayor Pete, other diversity hire, has no business being secretary of anything except for maybe a literal secretary. And he's out there with a, he's taking days off. Oh, I took six months off for paternity. Shut up. You can't talk to me like that. I blah, blah, blah. I Don't you know I'm gay? And Chaston runs to social media to claim victimhood. See, it's a little unseemly if Secretary Mayor Pete were fully claiming victimhood on his own. But he's got Chaston out there. Chaston has nothing better to do. They're suckling the government teat. I'm sure Chaston has some sort of consulting gig where he doesn't really have to show up or do anything because who would take advice from anybody named Chaston? But they'd pay for it to get access to Secretary Mayor Pete and to be able to say, look at us, we're involved in 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. We bribe everybody, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, etc., etc. I'm sure somebody has bragged about that. You know what? We don't just bribe straight people here at Bribes Incorporated. We celebrate diversity by bribing the entire spectrum. <sighs> then you've got, uh, what is it, the Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, tucks it back behind thigh fat and goes, I'm a woman. Forcing COVID patients into nursing homes in Pennsylvania when he was the chief health policy person there and then took his mother out of one before issuing that order to make sure Mumsy was safe. Well, see, if mom's social security checks stop coming in because mom is no longer with us, then Richard Levine might have to buy his own dress, although he would probably be able to double his wardrobe, but he wouldn't be able to update it, right? Wouldn't be able to update it. This is the modern left, ladies and gentlemen. This is the modern left. This is who these people are. And we, of course, are being stuck with it. We're bailing out these banks. Credit Suisse is collapsing, at least. Who knows where it will end up now, but the Dow is down and everybody's saying it's not good. I'm not sure anybody really knows. Because if anybody really knew, none of this would sneak up on them, you know? None of them would sneak up. Nobody would go, holy cow, this bank's in some serious trouble. If the, the regulators were doing, well, if regulations worked, and regulators were doing their jobs. None of this would have snuck up on anybody, and it all would have been head on, headed off at the pass as these banks tried to do what they were doing. It's not the case. So instead, you get, uh, I'm going to play this just to demonstrate the media's reporting. Mika, Mika this morning, early this morning, before the Dow opened, talking about the Credit Suisse situation. Mika's on the case, fear not. <laughs> fear. Can you imagine being dependent upon Mika for anything? I'm pretty sure she can't make a sandwich. To break. A developing story from Wall Street. The markets are dropping sharply right now, tied to more concerns over banking. The Dow is down more than 500 points before the bell after shares of Credit Suisse hit an all-time low. This comes as the Swiss lender with large operations in the U.S. tries to stabilize its financial and customer losses. We're going to be following this. Lots of stuff going on in the news today. You've got uh, more banking issues. It's just a mess. Um, how did everybody miss all of this? All these warnings. Oh, my God. It's a horrible situation. The bank is overcapitalized. The bank is this. The bank is that. There were people shorting Silicon Valley Bank and pub being public about it. Moody's, I think it was, downgraded them. How did nobody at the FDIC, how did nobody in the federal government, how, let me see, put it this way. How did nobody with a job to know this stuff, know this stuff? How did nobody know? And by the way, I just want to state for the record right now as we're just barely getting into this scandal, and it is a scandal. You watch and see if anybody loses their job in the federal government over at the FDIC. Do you really, I mean, there's a level of competence that people have demonstrated a lack of competence. 
that has gone unremarked uh, upon by this administration. The only person I can think of who's been fired for anything was that Sam Britton, that cross-dressing weirdo, who was only hired because he was a cross-dresser, who was stealing luggage in his spare time for women because while he was paid quite well in his government job and all the diversity hire gigs he'd had before, he... Uh, didn't want to have his salary go towards a clothing budget. You can, I can, you can understand that, right? Who wants to buy things when you can just steal them? This weekend, the kids and I are going to go out to a BWI and see if we can't find ourselves a, a nice outfit for uh, spring outings. Just unbelievable. But he's the only person who's been fired for any reason whatsoever. Hell, other diver- Mayor Pete, other diversity hire, has no business being secretary of anything except for maybe a literal secretary. And he's out there with a, he's taking days off. Oh, I took six months off for paternity. Shut up. You can't talk to me like that. I blah, blah, blah. I, don't you know I'm gay? And Chaston runs to social media to claim victimhood. See, it's a little unseemly if Secretary Mayor Pete were fully claiming victimhood on his own, but he's got Chaston out there. Chaston has nothing better to do. They're suckling the government teat. I'm sure Chaston has some sort of consulting gig where he doesn't really have to show up or do anything because who would take advice from anybody named Chaston? But they'd pay for it to get access to Secretary Mayor Pete and to be able to say, look at us, we're involved in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We bribe Everybody, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, etc., etc. I'm sure somebody has bragged about that. You know what? We don't just bribe straight people here at Bribes Incorporated. We celebrate diversity by bribing the entire spectrum. <sighs> then you've got, uh, what is it, Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, tucks it back behind thigh fat and goes, I'm a woman. Forcing COVID patients into nursing homes in Pennsylvania when he was the chief health policy person there and then took his mother out of one before issuing that order to make sure Mumsy was safe. Well, see, if mom's social security checks stop coming in because mom is no longer with us, then Richard Levine might have to buy his own dress, although he would be, probably be able to double his wardrobe, but he wouldn't be able to update it, right? Wouldn't be able to update it. This is the modern left, ladies and gentlemen. This is the modern left. This is who these people are. And we, of course, are being stuck with it. We're bailing out these banks. There's Credit Suisse is collapsing at least who knows who knows where it will end up now but the dow is down and everybody's saying it's not good i'm not sure anybody really knows because if anybody really knew none of this would sneak up on them you know none of them would sneak up nobody go holy cow this bank's in some serious trouble if the the regulators were doing well if regulations worked and regulators were doing their jobs None of this would have snuck up on anybody, and it all would have been head on, headed off at the pass as these banks tried to do what they were doing. It's not the case. So instead, you get, uh, I want to play this just to demonstrate the media's reporting. Mika, Mika this morning, early this morning, before the Dow opened, 
talking about the Credit Suisse situation. Mika's on the case. Fear not. <laughs> God, fear. You imagine being dependent upon Mika for anything? I'm pretty sure she can't make a sandwich. Cut three. Go ahead. That's not. That's not it. The one labeled Mika announces Credit Suisse cash crash. Gary, did you not get the? You got the. All right. Whatever. Mika announced. Mika's very concerned. Mika's on the case. It's amazing to me how these things happen and how nobody, all of these people, by the way, who insist that everyone, every one of them is way smarter than you. My God, you couldn't sit on the set of Morning Joe. You, it, it's a, Morning Joe set has to be cavernous in order to fit the egos of the people who are in there. We've got it now. We're going to be following. Does it sound like Mika knows what the hell she's talking about? At least I tell you. I'm not a banker. I very limited knowledge, and it's based on what I've read. But Mika goes out there and just tells you, oh, this, this is based on, you can tell she's reading it from a teleprompter that she has no idea. But if anybody on the set of Morning Joe were able to justify it, the, the set, the physical set of Morning Joe has to be ginormous, gigantic, huge, to fit the egos in there. Yet none of these people, none of these geniuses saw it coming. Now, you would think, hey, uh, we've had the second biggest bank collapse in American history. You might be looking for other banks. You had two big bank collapse. You might be looking at other banks and going, hmm, what should we be looking at? Maybe talk to somebody who would know. Certainly not a federal federal regulator. But instead, you get everybody going, Credit Suisse is in trouble? Oh, my goodness, what's going on? Who's in charge here? Who are these people? This is what I say, what I mean when I say don't trust these people in media. There's nobody on Morning Joe will tell you, gee, I don't really know the banking industry. We should probably get an expert on. Or, hey, uh, just watch out. Nobody really knows what's going on. No. As I've told you a thousand times, if you go on cable news and get a question and you answer it with, well, I'm not really educated enough on that uh, issue to be able to really give any sort of authoritative answer. So I'm not really sure. I don't want to speak on it because I don't know. If you say that, you're done. I got a call. I was at the gym yesterday. I get calls from uh, Middle Eastern news outlets to do you know hits on like Al Jazeera they all now that there's a lot of I don't even know what this place was called yesterday that called me somewhere somewhere over there and they called me and asked me to go on and they pay uh, the American television doesn't pay but they give you, you know, not a ton of money but 50 bucks whatever yeah I would take 50 bucks so I've done a lot of hits. I haven't done them in a while, but you get to do them from home. You get to do them through your uh, computer. So it's like, this is great. But the topic was, and I've done this a couple of times, the topic was the banking thing. We want you to come out and talk about uh, what's going on in banking and blah, 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 blah. And I said, aside from generally not really wanting to do it, um, not being in the mood to do it, I said, I don't, 
I don't know enough about it. Like, I'm the wrong guy for this issue. You give me a political issue, you want to talk horse race, you want to talk about various other aspects of policy, then fine, yeah, let's do it. But you want me to talk about federal banking regulations. I got nothing. I, I'm bringing nothing to the table. I don't, you need to get somebody else. Now, I could, could I have done it? Of course I could have done it. Anybody could do it. You just speak in platitudes. Don't go anywhere near a specific and you can, you too can do it. But I would never make it on Morning Joe because I'd look at a topic and go, I don't know anything about this. Not only do I not know anything about it or whatever the issue, I don't care anything about it. Nobody gets invited back on cable news. So you can tell Mika and the gang over there, they don't have a clue about what's going on in banking. They bring in a guy called Steve Ratner, who was Obama's car czar. Remember that? The guy. The reason that, uh, well, Joe Biden and the supply chain screw up and Secretary Mayor Peter, the reason that used cars cost a fortune now, but... Uh, they went up significantly under Barack Obama. Why? Because the cash for clunkers thing. That was Steve Ratner. Buy all, uh, Hoover up all the used cars out there that could be purchased by people for a pretty decent price and uh, crush them into a block and give people credit to buy new cars, which is fine. But you, you then had wealthy people buying clunkers to turn into the government to get the credit to buy a new car. And they're like, oh, okay, you're subsidizing the rich. Why? Because, well, the rich were the ones who could afford to buy a new car. Oh, well, that was a bunch of people who bought them on loans and stuff, too. But you get the idea. The rich people aren't rich because they're stupid with their money. He comes on. Steve Ratner comes on and tries to explain this situation. Let me just tell you about Steve Ratner. I'm not going to play it for you. I've played it to death in the past. But Steve Ratner is the guy who the day before the 2016 election said that the market would react positively if Hillary Clinton were elected president or actually when Hillary Clinton was going to be elected president was a foregone conclusion the day before the 2016 election and it would collapse. It would be a major catastrophe for the stock market if Donald Trump ended up winning the presidency. Well, the funny thing happened on the way to the Great Depression II electric boogaloo. The economy under Donald Trump in particular, the stock market, boomed. It boomed right up until Democrats choked the life out of it with the help of the Chinese communists with COVID. So Steve Ratner, you would think, would, I don't know, eat a big bowl of crow and go, you know what, I was wrong about that. The stock market collapse of epic proportion did not come to pass. But instead, he said nothing. He did what all the uh, people do. It's amazing to me how these people operate, how they can operate, how they can do this. See, it's, it's not just Democrats. It's, what's his face? Who's that pollster that goes on Fox all the time? He's also on CBS. Whatever that guy is, I can't remember. Frank Luntz. Frank Luntz. Wildly wrong. Not anywhere near close. Hasn't been near. It's amazing how long people can dine out on having been accurate once in their lives. It's amazing. When I first came to Washington, D.C., or having been, you know, just loosely associated, as an aside here, ladies and gentlemen, when I first came to Washington back in 2001, 
at the Heritage Foundation, I soon discovered how many people in positions of high pay, not necessarily authority, but high pay, had spent 20 minutes in the Reagan administration back in the 80s. That was it. That was your past. If you worked two minutes in the mailroom as an intern during the Reagan administration, you could walk around regaling people. When I worked in, during my time in the Reagan administration, and the conservative world would go, oh, and they'd get faint and wobbly-legged, and they'd go, please, tell us, let us hire you. We're going to make you a senior fellow. We're going to give you mid-six figures, and you can show up, you know, one to two, three times a year. But you, know, you come and you tell everybody, of every one of our donors, how you worked in the Reagan administration. They dined out on it's that sort of thing. Everybody checks a box. Like, oh, once you get that box checked, it's like getting your card punched. It is a, uh, it turn, I guess, like a AAA card or an AARP card. You just show that and you get a discount. You get a bump in salary if you're loosely, tangentially associated with various things. So much of what's wrong in Washington is that it's run by young people who don't have any life experience. But then it's also the money, the conservative movement in particular, is run by people who did one thing and then have been dining out on it ever since. And then you've got the permanent bureaucrat class who simply doesn't give a damn. Do you think anybody at the FDIC is really risking losing anything? Do you think they're rich enough to have massive deposits? No. In these banks that are failing? Absolutely not. They do have a vested interest in the political class that uh, is supported by these leftist organizations. Make no mistake. Remember back, what was it, 2010-ish? Occupy Wall Street? I remember they were down in, they were in every city. They were down in Baltimore. I walked through the Occupy Wall Street camp. The first thing I ever wrote for Andrew Breitbart. I knew him, but I didn't, hadn't been writing for him. I think it was, this was the first thing. It was one of the first things anyway. I wrote up, I've got a flyer. Occupy Wall Street was, oh, we're against the rich, we're against the banks. Wall Street corrupt, blah, blah, blah. They also had a bit of a rape problem at their encampments and sexual assault problem at their encampments. Then less covered by the media because there was no Me Too movement back then. And quite frankly, even if there were, the left wouldn't have cared about it because, you know, what's a little rape in the name of the cause? But I got a leaflet from the Occupy Wall Street mutants down in the Inner Harbor of Baltimore where they laid out how to handle a sexual assault. And the first thing on the list, I believe, was do not call the police. We'll handle this internally. Come to us. We will handle Basically, we, if you get raped by a guy in this camp, we'll, uh, we'll ask the guy in the camp to leave. Don't worry. There's no reason to involve the police because the police are the enemy. Everybody thought, oh, Michael Brown and George Floyd started the anti-police movement. No, 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 no. The left had been anti-police forever. They just don't vocalize it all the time. It's very uh, important. The left is very consistent. If it's good for America, if it's good for people, especially people who love this country, the left is against it. Period. End of story. Now, while we're talking about the uh, banking situation, I find it very interesting. You don't hear this much. 
It is being reported by The Intercept, but it it's... I tell you one of the most pathetic things about cable news is they, they don't actually do any reporting on their own. They just report what other what online what websites do and then they have their own people on to talk about it we've confirmed what so and so has reported well why don't you report it first you you've aggregated the same news and then you you made a phone call probably to the same source we've confirmed with sources yeah the reporter who reported it but when you're looking at you're sitting there trying to figure out why is it that the federal government, why is it that the Biden administration is taking these banking regulations and going, meh, let's uh, let's take it a little bit further than that to $250,000 deposit insurance through the FDIC, which I, I pointed out to you yesterday. You can't walk into a bank, a physical bank, without seeing the sign. It says that deposits here are insured up to $250,000, which... If you don't, if you don't get what that means, I don't know how you'd get more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. To be honest with you, I also don't care if you lose it because you'd be pretty damn stupid. You just go, oh, I've got a million dollars. Let's put that into a, a non-interest bearing savings account. It'll be wonderful. It'll be smart. And then the bank collapses, and you only get two hundred fifty thousand back. And you go, well, nobody told me. Everybody told you. You're just too stupid to know the difference. And you probably, you know, and how'd you get that money? I'd imagine it's some sort of slip and fall injury lawsuit. But um, the Biden administration recognized that the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank were full of people, employees, who give a lot of money to Democrats and Democratic causes. Silicon Valley Bank gave more than $70 million to Black Lives Matter, for example. Why anybody would bank there, I don't know. Why a bank would give away anything, I don't know. Why would a bank, hey, give your money to us, we'll pay you an interest rate so we can take your money and loan it out and get an interest rate that's higher than the one we're giving you so that we can make a profit. That should be what they do. And if they've got so much extra money around that they're giving away more than $70 million to a Marxist racist organization like Black Lives Matter, I as a uh, depositor there might go, why don't you give that money to us in the form, you're giving us what, 0.02% interest? Why don't you up our interest rates? Why don't you divvy that? It might not amount to much, but you know, Three cents a quarter on my savings account isn't amounting to much either. So how about you uh, put that money back into the business? They don't. They've all hired diversity officers. They didn't have a risk officer. They had diversity officers, but no risk officers. Why? Because they're leftists. They're committed leftists. And Silicon Valley Bank was the bank of left-wing California, San Francisco, Silicon Valley area. In a just world, the people who had their money in there and did not have uh, or had it over $250,000 would lose everything over $250,000. Why? Because those were the rules. People took risks. Not just, not just the idiots who ran the bank and the know-nothings on the board who oversaw the bank, but the people who put their money in it. They took risks too. And they lost. But since they're rich liberals, Joe Biden rides in and takes care of them with our money. Oh, he says, oh, you know, it won't be a penny 
of uh, taxpayer money. The man is full of crap. The man is a liar. It's all taxpayer money. But what's interesting is one of the people cheering this the loudest is Gavin the haircut Newsom out there in California. Oh, boy, howdy. Does he want Joe Biden to not run again or to have some health issue that causes him not to be able to? There is a lot of there are a lot of people in the wings. None are more drooly than Gavin the hairdo Newsom. So this story from The Intercept. On Monday, California Governor Gavin Newsom praised the Biden administration's decision to intervene on behalf of Silicon Valley Bank's clients after the bank was taken over by the FDIC on Friday amid a bank run. The White House, quote, acted swiftly and decisively to protect the American economy and strengthen public confidence in our banking system, end quote. Newsom said in a statement, I'm not really sure that the government running in and propping up a collapsing bank is like, well, now I'm totally confident in our banking system. I'd be more confident in a banking system that doesn't need bureaucrats running in and using a bunch of our money. So what Newsom didn't mention is that he is also protected in his own companies if they held over $250,000 in deposits. Cade, Odette, and Plump Jack, three wineries owned by Newsom. How many wineries do you own? How many wineries do you? I bet you don't own very many. Maybe, maybe two. Maybe two wineries. I personally own one and then a piece of a second one. <laughs> I once threw a grape in the dirt and it was not a seedless grape. And from there, a vine grew. And that, that's the extent of my wine, my vineyards. But it's amazing to me. That this is how these this guy's three wineries, and you sit there and you go, wait a second, Gavin Newsom, how uh, how'd you get three wineries, right? For the last twenty five or so years, you've been in public service, quote unquote, public service. He was the mayor of San Francisco back in the nineties, uh, late nineties, early two thousand, probably like twenty years, and uh, now he is. The uh, governor, in between, he was mayor for a while, then he became lieutenant, as the British say, lieutenant governor of the state of California for uh, 8 or 12 years, whatever it was, and now he's governor. How could somebody find the time to, because I don't know, I've never, maybe I should look into buying a winery, because you, uh, if you can get them while on a public servant's salary. Uh, it might be something worth investing, but no, that's not the case. Gavin Newsom, one of the things he does not highlight about himself, and I'd heard him on, uh, there's an interview out there with Gavin Newsom and Adam Carolla. God, it is absolutely brilliant. Adam Carolla just boxes him in and makes him look like a complete and total moron and hypocrite about a great many things and a racist piece of crap. He basically says that... Uh, Black people uh, can't succeed. They're incapable. They need government to succeed because they can't. They just don't have the tools. Somehow Asians are able to get around this horrible racist society, but black people just can't. And this is this is Gavin Newsom. It's an amazing bit of audio. I recommend you find it. But in there, Adam Carolla points out that I don't know. It just comes up that Adam Carolla's parents had gotten divorced. When he was young and he lived with his brothers, so he's basically raised by a single mother, blah, blah, blah. And Gavin Newsom says, oh, no, I know. I understand the hardship. I, was, I too, was raised uh, by a single mother. 
single mother made the sacrifices. Blah, 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 blah. Hero, hero, hero. Oh, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. He was basically painting himself out to be Oliver Twist. And then you come to discover after the fact, because they weren't doing real-time research at the Adam Carolla podcast that day, that yes, indeed, Gavin Newsom's parents did get divorced when he was young, and he did live with his mother. It was the 70s or whatever, but, you know, I guess still mothers probably get about 95% of the custody in, in divorce cases. But Gavin Newsom's father was hardly some hobo who, upon the disillusion of his marriage, took a stick and a bandana put some socks and clean underwear and a sandwich and a can of Spam, tied it through the bandana on the end of that stick and went off to ride the rails in the hopes of finding work. No, in fact, Gavin Newsom's father was the chief legal counsel for Getty Oil, which I don't know if you're playing the home game, you probably don't even need to Google that because it just sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And that is how somebody who has made their life in quote-unquote public service is able to afford three wineries. Gavin Newsom threw all his money apparently into Silicon Valley Bank. Back to the story. Cade, Odette, and Plumpjack, three wineries owned by Newsom, are listed as clients of SVB on the bank's website. So they're not just... Cli- now, there's lists of clients. I am not listed as a client on my my bank's website. I suspect you are not listed as a client. I suspect that you probably don't know anybody who's listed as a client on your bank's website. But if you... There are two reasons for these companies to be listed as uh, clients on their company's website. One, they bring in a lot of money, right? You don't own three wineries up in Silicon Valley, up in the Napa area, without having a lot of money. There's not a real lot of, oh, they're a small winery. Oh, really? Yeah, no, they only do about uh, $20 million a year in business. Small, tiny. That's small for up there. This is wine country in the United States of America. And don't write me from... Other wine countries, I get it, there are vineyards across the country. I'm talking about by and large. You also want to list them because the governor owns them and you want to suck up to the governor, right? So those are the only two reasons to list it. Uh, Newsom also maintained personal accounts at SVB for years, according to a longtime former employee of Newsom who handled his finances and who requested anonymity to avoid personal reprisals. So you've got the governor out, vindictive much, personal reprisals. A good progressive would never do such a thing, would they? Pearl's clutched shock, back of the wrist to the forehead, fainting couch engaged. Oh, my goodness course yes so gavin newsom is out there praising oh thank goodness the biden administration did the right thing in making me whole see they stop at the word thing and they leave the uh, in making me whole part out there but this is what i mean one hand washes the other they're just both left hands it's amazing to me how these people work 
Quote, Governor Newsom's business and financial holdings are held and managed by a blind trust, as they have been since he was first elected governor in 2018. Not when he was elected mayor back in the day or a lieutenant governor, but since he was governor. And blind trust is irrelevant. Blind trust is where you move your money to. A blind trust is where you invest. You're going to buy a bunch of Microsoft stock and you don't know it. And you could be you know, supporting regulation that's going to screw Microsoft or, or enrich Microsoft even further. That's the point of a blind trust. Where you bank, I don't believe, is managed by a blind trust, right? I don't think that's the case. They're like, hey, you can't access your money. We've moved your bank account. All right, so your ATM card isn't going to work. Well, where'd you move it? We can't tell you, man. If we told you, we'd have to move it again, right? So every time you need to get 20 bucks to do valet parking for cash, you need to switch banks? That's not how it works. So you can see even the governor's defense is... Why did I say it like that? Even the governor's defense... Defense! Deep, even the governor's defense is deflection, is irrelevant, is sleight of hand. Of course, the Intercept doesn't really call them out on it. They move on. But they do move on to something that even exposes these people as being more corrupt. The next paragraph. Newsom also didn't mention his wife, Jennifer Siebel's professional ties to the bank in 2021. Hey, that's not that long ago. Silicon Valley Bank gave $100,000 to the charity founded by Siebel, the California Partners Project, at the request of Newsom. Hey, guys. Why don't you throw some money my way? Now, what kind of a bank? Like, you've got so much of my money. Why don't you give $100,000? If you've got enough money in a bank to get them to jump when you say jump, to give $100,000, then why don't you just give the $100,000 yourself, if you care at all about your wife's? I mean, I'm sure Gavin Newsom, given his personal history, he's just glad to have his wife out of the house. But that's beside the point. He was using his, not his money there, although that helped. He was using his position as governor to shake down the bank to give money to his wife. Why not? Why not? It's perfectly legal corruption. Hey, the governor's on the phone. Oh, the governor. What would you like, governor? Oh, you're calling to solicit donations to your campaign. Oh, now you want money for your wife's charity your wife's charity wife's charity is code for rich liberals finding things for somebody who doesn't really have a lot to do to do we got to find something for my wife to do she's an actress who isn't acting anymore plus she can't really if she was going to make it she would have made it a long time ago so can't really call up hollywood they're not going to put her in movies as much well how about we just start her a charity so she can Pass the time that way. All right? Get her off my back. I'll start a charity. I'll even call in favors from various things. And guess what? His wife now gets to be a social butterfly and run around the state of California at various dinners and galas and fundraisers and balls. All of her travel paid for by the charity that she started and funded by the donors to the governor to the left-wing causes and the banks that uh, they have their fortune in.
And at the end of the day, when the feces hits the fan and the whole house of cards collapses, their lives will not be changed in any way, shape, or form. We just get stuck with the check. Who knew? When Gavin Newsom and his wife Jenny went off to the French Laundry, probably the most expensive restaurant in America, in clear violation of the COVID restrictions that he himself had imposed on his fellow Californians, and had a meal for his friend's birthday, that we were ultimately going to be stuck with the check. Because that's what happened. Maybe not directly. He didn't slide it to us. <laughs> but he just... Uh, he used our ATM card. Well, not even our ATM card. He's used our credit card. Our ATM card is empty. He's now maxing out. These leftists are now maxing out our collective credit cards. But he's progressive. And if Joe Biden decides not to run for president or can't run for president for whatever reason, this guy is the most likely Democrat to emerge from Because who else? Kamala? Good God. This is the best that Democrats have to offer. Laugh at it, scoff at the prospect all you want. But Joe Biden in 2020 was the best they had to offer then. And he's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. Never underestimate the stupidity of the Democratic voter. I do love this story, though, about Gavin Newsom. It just really exposes how hypocritical Democrats are. They're all over Donald Trump. Oh, you're running your businesses. Why don't you give up? Why don't you sell your business? Why don't you close your business? Why don't you do this, that, or the other thing? You're not running my business. It's a family business. I can't just force, I'm not going to force my family to sell the business because I'm, no, you must. You must. Huh. They write uh, The Intercept, Newsom, a multimillionaire who was a businessman before becoming a politician. He was a businessman for about 20 minutes. It's amazing to me how these people managed to amass multi. Nobody goes, so, you know, somehow he's three wineries from the five years he spent as a businessman or 10 years he spent as a businessman. What was he? Was he like a head of a cocaine cartel? No, he was a politically ambitious, connected Democrat who came from a wealthy family. So, of course, they get the nepotism, they get the, the friends hire, they get the, oh, you know what, daddy rubs shoulders with multi-multi-millionaires. Here's some, here's, I have a billion dollars. Here's a couple million dollars to go play with. And, oh, somehow you manage to slice a chunk of that off to line your own pockets and feather your nest. The, the rich, the left is right. The rich take care of their own. The reason they know this is they're the rich and they take care of their own. A businessman before becoming a politician has been dogged for years with ethics questions about his corporate holdings. When asked during a 2018 campaign for governor if he would sell his companies, Newsom reportedly said, uh, quote, these are my babies, my life, my family. I can't do that. I can't sell them, end quote. Instead, in December 2018, Newsom announced that he would establish a blind trust and give control of his trust to a family friend. Oh, a family friend. They'll never talk. My best friend's going to manage it, and he'll... Keep, you know, if I if my best friend starts avoiding me, not taking my calls, I might go, hey, uh, dude, it's there. I know I didn't do anything. I mean, with Gavin Newsom, there's a chance he, he had sex with his previous best friend's wife. So, you know, be a little careful. You want to, you know, probably not a position you want to be in and uh, in Gavin Newsom's world. But still. He. uh if your friend starts to avoid you, you might go, is something wrong with the business? What? 
Gavin Newsom recently came under fire in California press for allegedly abusing what are so-called behest payments, donations requested by politicians for any, quote, legislative, governmental, or charitable purpose. Through Cal- Though California law stringently regulates campaign contributions and gifts to elected officials, there are no limits on behest payments like the $100,000 donation that Newsom requested from SVB for his wife's charity. Isn't that nice? Last year, Newsom reported at least $23.7 million in payments to such groups at his behest. Isn't that nice? You raise a boatload of money off of your position as governor for your wife's charity, and then you go to dinner with your wife, and you say, hey, uh, wife, how's that charity going? And she says, uh, it's a sham. We're just doing it to bilk your donors for campaign contributions for direct graft to me. And, and they laugh hysterically and go, well, now we can write off the cost of this dinner because we discussed your charity. That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. That's how it all works. It's wildly corrupt and perfectly legal because the people who are wildly corrupt are the ones who write the laws that make it perfectly legal. It's good. It's a quote, Mel Brooks. It's good to be the king. I want to shift from uh, corruption in the Democrats to the corruption in the culture. Corruption of the culture, the corruption of reality. And it's a heartwarming tale. Don't get me wrong. This is not the, uh, we're all going to, well, I mean, we're all going to be destroyed by this eventually if we don't put a stop to it. And I absolutely support the putting a stop to it. But every once in a while you sit back in these culture wars and you go, yeah, I like that. Not because of the the general principle, but because the left is getting a big dose of their own medicine. This from the New York Times. Wellesley College proudly proclaims itself as a place for, quote, women who will make a difference in the world, end quote. I believe Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton Jr. III went there. Yes, she did. It boasts a long line of celebrated alumni, including Hillary Clinton, Madeleine Albright, and Nora Ephron. On Tuesday, its students supported a referendum that had polarized the campus and went straight to the heart of Wellesley's identity as a woman's college. The referendum, which was non-binding. God, the left loves these symbolic crap things. It's non-binding resolution. We're going to pass this non-binding resolution. You watch it. You're going to be the subject of a non-binding resolution. If anybody ever says that to you, you just go, uh, I don't. Then just say, I refuse to recognize you as a government. It has as much impact. It means about as much. I'm going to condemn you with a non-binding resolution. I refuse to recognize you as a government. What? Well, if you're going to waste time and do stupid things, why don't I just waste time and do stupid things right back at you? On Tuesday... The students born to recognize what help of the referendum was non-binding, called for opening admission to all non-binary and transgender applicants, including trans men. Now, wait a second. If it's all transgender people, why do you need to segregate out trans men? <laughs> we are embracing the... It's the left does it all the time. We, everybody's a victim, especially women of color, especially trans women of color. Wait, if, if are are trans women of color not 
not people? What? How dare you suggest anything? Well, you're the one who said we uh, we support all. Because if you just said we we support all victims, all people who are victims, then they're covered, right? But somehow somebody's more more equal than others. Like I don't get the 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 segregating out, except for the fact that the left loves segregation. <laughs> give, give me more segregation. The left loves segregation the way that uh, Hunter Biden loves young trafficked Eastern European prostitutes. Just absolutely cannot get enough of it. So, I, including trans men. Currently, the college allows admissions to anyone who lives and consistently identifies as a woman. Now you don't have to. Now you can go, yeah, no, I'm a dude, but I'm going to a chick college. <laughs> Why are you going to a chick college? Well, because I'm a chick, really, but I'm a dude now. Look at my hairdo, and I drive a truck. Not a pickup truck, but a big old truck. It's a U-Haul. No, I, well, I ident- it identifies as an 18-wheeler. I realize it's a, an eight-foot U-Haul truck, but it, ident- it identifies much bigger. Now, I love that. What they won't admit is men. They won't admit is men. Why don't you just, like everybody, every man out there, within the sound of my voice and beyond, apply to Wellesley College if you're of age. It doesn't even matter. You can be able to just do it. It doesn't matter what age you apply. There's no, like, sorry, you're too old for college. Apply. Apply as a man. And when you are rejected, which you will be, sue. Sue. Get money. Why not? I mean, the idea of a women's college is stupid and passe. It's just, I get it. A hundred years ago, there was a whole bunch of sexual discrimination. There's a whole bunch. It was a really tough time. It was terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Fine, but it ain't then. The left loves to live like the past not only happened, but it's still happening. And it's the only thing that ever happened. That's how they love to live. And so what do you get? Oh, we've, we're dumping millions. NBC News has the, uh, along with Mika Brzezinski, the know your value. Know your value to women. Apparently women don't know their value. Know your value. And it's just a left-wing propaganda thing. Women are victims. And then you go, all right, well, then uh, if women are so undervalued, maybe we should find a way to value women. Let's uh, let's create a Woman of the Year award. And everybody goes, yeah, that's great, because that will really help women know their value. It'll be wonderful. Women deserve it. Women are the best. They're better than men. Men are gross and yucky. Women are wonderful. They deserve it. So who should we uh, who should we honor as a Woman of the Year? How about Rachel Levine? Well, uh, uh, how about Bruce Jenner? I mean, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. How about, well, no, Caitlyn Jenner votes for Republicans, so we can't do that. How about that uh, that swimmer? No, no, wait a second. So to empower women, you create women's organizations. To make women feel safe and valued, you create organizations to make sure that women feel safe and valued, you create awards to give to women so that their shelves are not just filled with soccer participation ribbons from when they were five years old. And then you uh, start giving those awards to men who say they're women. Well, they're just as much women as every kind of... Really? Because I don't think 
I'm pretty sure that Rachel Levin, at her age, has to be screened for prostate cancer. Has to be at least, you know, looked at. I don't think there are very many women, real women, who have to have prostate cancer screening, right? I'm just, just saying. Does Rachel Levin call a vasectomy a hysterectomy? Is that do doctors have to play along with this? Don't you laugh? But you know, maybe. Maybe they do. We're not that far away from requiring it, to be honest with you. Today's absurdities are tomorrow's policies from the Democrat Party. So don't laugh, but don't let your guard down. On the plus side, however, we can now, I assume, just go, you know what, for that whole wage gap, all you ladies whining about the wage gap, all you leftists whining, women only make fair 77 cents on the dollar for what men make. It's terrible. And women of color make even less. That's always, they always throw that in there. But now if we don't, if like anybody can be, if we don't know what gender is, we don't have to do that. And if you start factoring in men who say they're women, like Rachel Levine makes more money than I do. Bruce or Caitlyn Jenner makes more money than I. So congratulations. They've all raised your level of income on average. And we just get a few more men to go, you know what? I feel like a woman. Man, I feel like a woman. That I am now that the embodiment of that Shania Twain song. Man, I feel like a woman. You get that? And we've eliminated the wage gap. We made it a more just society without actually ever doing anything. That just uh, drives me nuts. The referendum also called for making the college's communications more gender inclusive. For example, using the word students or alumni instead of women. We're coming together to celebrate women. All right. How are we going to do that? By denying the existence of women. By, you know, not even acknowledge. Just don't. Shush. Shut up. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> the vote was in some ways definitional. What is the mission of a woman's college? Well, it's apparently to educate dudes, because they will let dudes in now as long as you identify the proper way. Supporters said that women's colleges have always been safe havens for people facing gender discrimination, and that with trans people under attack across the country, all transgender and non-binary applicants must be able to apply to Wellesley. Now, I can't wait for these weirdos to start getting the scholarships that were formerly awarded to these left-wing lunatics. These left-wing lunatics went there and then the the weirdos come in. Now, when they start getting the left-wing scholarships, because what's the justification for not giving them scholarships? And that means that other students' awards go down. Well, that's going to be a bit interesting because I suspect there will be students who were on scholarship to Wellesley who then suddenly will not be able to, would not get the full scholarship or what have you, and then would have difficulty affording attending Wellesley. I suppose the left will just step up. They're not about to let, you know, if you're in, a, in the business of indoctrinating students, and you've got this wonderful factory that just churns out indoctrinated students, you're not going to let production issues take down the company. You're gonna, somebody's going to step up and go, here's even more money. All right, keep going. 
Churn out the ignorant. Churn out the activists. Let's do this thing. That's what I suspect will happen. Supporter, blah, 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 blah. Opponents of the referendum said that if trans men or non-binary students were admitted, Wellesley could effectively become co-ed. Yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. That's acknowledging that there's a gender binary out there. Hmm. All Wellesley and Wellesley's president, Paula Johnson, said that the referendum would rewrite Wellesley's founding mission to educate women. In a statement after the vote, a spokesperson for Dr. Johnson said the college would not reconsider its opposition. So the administration is now in direct conflict with a majority of the student body. This is not what democracy looks like, right? I love it when Frankenstein's monster comes back to burn the castle. I absolutely love it when it comes... Because now, look, Johnson, Paula Johnson, mark my words... A year. I'll give Paula Johnson a year. I don't, I don't think it'll take that long. But I suspect if it's going to happen, it'll happen rather quickly, that uh, Paula Johnson, Dr. Paula Johnson, will soon be protested by the left-wing mutants on campus at Wellesley, and Lord knows there are a lot of them. Not just left-wingers, but the mutant class. That It's amazing. There are a group of people who find nothing in life more enjoyable than chanting what other people say, parroting it back to them, going to where they're told, sitting there for days on end, not showering, demanding things that have no no basis in reality and will improve nobody's lot in life. And they just demand and insist, and they win. The, the Nazi, Like I say, the Nazis, very few people in Germany were Nazis back in 1933. They managed to get all the power, essentially, pretty, in, pretty, in 1932. In short order, they managed to get all the power in government because they insisted. And other people said, rather than punching them in the nose, tell them to go to hell, standing up to them, they eventually said, well, all right, we'll give you something. If this will shut you up, we'll, we'll give you more. All right, fine. You know, you could, Reichstag burned. We do need to find out what happened. You can have more emergency powers. And the next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire and all your rights and liberties are gone. Everything you liked and found good is gone, has been taken. And the government ain't going to give it back willingly. The administration is going, we're, we're a chick college. We're not going to give you the chick college. We're not going to let dudes into the chick college. But the school through a non-binding resolution, has made it clear that they support the idea. Now, I don't believe for a second that they actually support this idea in this way. It's a nice way for students to virtue signal. God knows leftists love a good virtue signal. It's also a nice way, in a non, since it is non-binding, I voted for it. I'm in, in good. But if even 10% of the student body is the militant class, which is a Chick College like this probably is not a stretch. They will take this as a call to arms. They will not rest until they make this come to pass. And so they've ended up starting, they've they've broken ground on the digging of their own grave. They really have. (laughs) 
The college, by established practice, did not release a breakdown of the vote, making it hard to measure the depth of support, but both supporters and opponents expected the referendum to pass. The college, which is in the Boston suburbs, has roughly 2,500 students. No data on the number of students who identify as trans or non-binary. Well, not yet. They're not letting them in. They let the trans women in. Smith College the same way. I spent a lot of time at Smith College in the early aughts. 2003-2004 at Smith College up in Northampton, Massachusetts. And man, it the, the trans issue was not an issue then. But as a man on college, it felt really weird. And they were militant. They were finding ways to be mad at other women. They just, It was really funny. The left... Oh, women, let's women get together. Once we get rid of those men, we keep men out of here. Women will have a safe environment. They can grow the sisterhood. They can grow the sisterhood and build bonds. It was catty like you wouldn't believe. My God. They they hated each other. They could have united and, you know, glad we hate those men. They might have gotten along better, but they ended up hating each other. Why does she, who does she think she is dressed like that? Look at the shoes on that one. These are all things that you're sitting there going, Derek, you're being absurd. No, these are direct quotes of things I heard. There were message boards back in the dial-up days that I would go to, something called the Daily, I think it was the Daily Jolt, that were specific to the colleges in the uh, the Northampton area. There's five of them there. Each college had their own message board. You could bounce back and forth between them. Since my girlfriend at the time was there and she was active on these boards and she was the head of the Young Republicans, which they hated her because Young Republicans. Uh, and she brought Ann Coulter there. They hated her for that. Uh, I, we'd spend a lot of time on AOL chat and on these message boards. And I would—I was a troll. I absolutely was a troll. And uh, they hate, it didn't take a troll. You didn't need a troll. It was actually difficult to try and start outrages and start fights amongst the left-wing students at Smith College because they were already ready to fight each other. If you've ever seen like a history of the communist movement, a history of the progressive movement at the beginning of the 20th century, sort of exemplified in the movie Reds, but not nearly enough, it was factions versus they all agreed. Government should control everything. Power to the workers, blah, blah, blah. But they all fought about who should be in charge, and they fought over the fringes and the little details at the bottom. And they never, thank God, they never really got their act together in this country. They did the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks over in Russia, and then one killed the other, and blah, blah, blah. And everywhere they had this sort of battle because left to their own devices, leftists will hate even other leftists. They just will hate. If you create a fishbowl with just leftists, They'll hate each other sooner rather than later. You throw a couple of trans men in there, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to change the education. They're just going to continue the indoctrination. I, for one, am glad to see the beginning of the end of these all-women's colleges. Amen. Now if we could just get the HBCUs and the other race-based organizations to be next. (gasps) Did I say that? Yes, I did, and I meant it. Uh, While we uh, celebrate... The demise of the uh, Chick College system. Are we allowed to say that? The Chick College? Probably not allowed to say that. But I don't care. As we celebrate that, uh, there's a whole bunch of other things going on. Where do we... Where? I'm going to show you who the Democrats are. 
in a couple of clips. First off, remember that hearing last week of the weaponization committee? Remember that? The federal government using the power of the federal government, the resources of the federal government to go after the uh, American people. There's a problem. It's a problem. Not anymore. I mean, not really. Honestly, they don't really give a damn. But um, there's a, a real worry and a concern, a genuine concern that the power of the government would be used against the American people. That's why there are specific guardrails in place. You can't sick the IRS. Oh, the left always says, Nixon wanted to sick. He wanted to, yes. He, he mentioned it. I don't even know if he really wanted to because when you're ranting, you say lots of stupid things. But he never actually did order the IRS to audit his political enemies. The left talks about it like he did because it's useful to them. Honestly, lies often are useful to them. But it never happened. Instead, you've got this situation now, though, where the government has actually been weaponized against the American people. And so the Republicans, led by Jim Jordan, are holding hearings on this concept. When you've got government officials contacting social media companies saying, it'd be really nice if this account went away. It'd be great if this account were throttled. This uh, this person needs to be punished for what they said because it's mis- or disinformation. Like, it doesn't, who cares? You're free as an American, or at least used to be, to spew all the mis- and disinformation you want. See, a people confident in what they're doing what they're saying, what they're espousing, are not really all that concerned with what other people are are saying or espousing, right? The truth will out. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. He's a monster. He's saying crazy things. Okay, well, let's just say the truth. The truth will win. No, no, it's not winning. Some people still follow. It doesn't matter. Okay, if you've got some guy who's just an absolute lunatic, spewing garbage. How many people are going, when you, you counter him with the truth, just the truth. I'll use, I'll, I wasn't thinking about it. We'll go with a, a real world example that the left likes to point out that they need to combat it. You got Alex Jones, all right? A guy like, let's just say a guy like Alex Jones, somebody who's tells people that the Sandy Hook shooting was fake. It was staged. Or you could go even further. You go, if you don't like that example, you go, well, 9-11, there's no, no plane that hit the Pentagon. It was a missile attack. Well, there's a plane full of people that's missing. It's missing. Like, honestly, that plane that hit the Pentagon, what happened to it? Flight 93 in Pennsylvania, they, uh, they also, there are people out there who say, no, that, that was not, there's no debris in that hole. So it wasn't really a crash. Then the planes that hit the Pentagon, they were empty. There are whole documentaries, so-called documentaries, propaganda films on YouTube. One's called Loose Change. 9-11 was fake. It was staged. It was, you know, it really did. They crashed planes in the building, but they were remote-controlled planes into the World Trade Center. They had not, for that, there are people who believe that crap. 
there's it takes a special kind of stupid to believe that kind of crap because to believe that kind of crap you would have to believe that everybody who disappeared that day not the people who were killed in the buildings because obviously the twin towers fell but the people who were on the planes for example barbara olson barbara olson was wife of ted olson who had represented George W. Bush in Bush v. Gore, won the case, saved the republic, if you ask me. He was then Solicitor General of the United States for the Bush administration, meaning he was the president's lawyer in arguing cases before the Supreme Court. His wife, Barbara, was, if you look up Barbara Olson, maybe you don't remember her, but you should, she was a conservative commentator. And she was flying out to Los Angeles that morning to appear on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. She was on the plane that hit the Pentagon. I'm just using her because she would be, she's an example of somebody that you might know. For the paranoid lunatic conspiracy theories to be true, the planes would have had to have been diverted to somewhere, right? These plane fulls of people, either they were all killed and it's the biggest conspiracy that everybody was able to keep their mouths shut during, or they were in on it, they were offloaded, and then the planes were set up with remote control pilots to then go out and uh, hit their destinations. If these conspiracy theories are correct, it's asinine. Should you burn a lot of calories and time and energy worrying about that? And if you are in the federal government, do you sit there and you go, well, this needs to be combated in perpetuity, forever, nonstop. It's horrible. And how dare these people? And it's damaging to the... No. That will all... Crazy will always find an audience. It's not going to be a large audience. You should be aware of that audience. Like I say... A dedicated group, a small group of people can do an awful lot of damage. But do we need to silence people putting aside the First Amendment? No, we don't need to silence people. People are free to spew that thing because it's really easy to combat the way I just did. So you're telling me that everybody on all those planes was in on it and they just said, all right, I'll never see my family again. But uh, you know what? It's cool, though. We'll live out the rest of my life in British Columbia or uh, Prince Edward Island or whatever the thing is, on the beach somewhere. If you believe that, I don't know what to tell you. Thankfully, there's such a tiny rounding error percentage of people who believe that that it doesn't matter. But there are people who believe that. We do not need to silence that. All we needed to do was educate people, anybody inclined to think about it. Or, you know, most people were smart enough to look at this and call BS on it to begin with. But it's a little bit more nefarious when you've got the FBI, the CIA, the State Department, people who are the permanent bureaucracy, not the uh, elected officials, although elected officials doing it is just as bad, if not a little, well, it doesn't really matter who does it. Um, contacting social media saying, you need to silence this person. We don't like what they're saying. Why not combat what they're saying? Well, we can't. We shouldn't. The government shouldn't. Human beings will do it. If you're saying Sandy Hook was a bunch of crisis actors, the government didn't need to swoop in and announce this, the findings of their study. People swooped in and said, you're a nut, dude. This is not true. 
9-11 was not an inside job. What the hell are you talking about? We handled it. You didn't stamp it out completely. You handled it. The problem with what the federal government and government agents did with social media is they weren't silencing weird conspiracy theories either, although that would be wrong. They were silencing dissent. They were silencing dissent from the conventional wisdom, dissent from what the left demanded be the orthodoxy of existence at the time. Masks don't work. Silence that. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Hey, uh, social distancing doesn't really matter. The, the virus is air. No, 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 no. Six feet. Virus. No. Shut up. Shut them up. Stop them. Keep them quiet. You need to delete their accounts. You need to block their accounts. You need to throttle their accounts. And social media was all too willing to do that. They're leftists, so they're naturally inclined to want to silence anybody who says anything that they disagree with. And they are uh, happy to bow to authority as long as it's in the service of their political agenda. That's a huge, huge problem. Then you add in the fact that we have a First Amendment and somebody saying, hey, try ivermectin is needs to be demonized as Hitler. Rather than, if you don't believe that ivermectin was uh, useful in any way, shape, or form in the treatment of COVID, you're free to that belief. Why is somebody holding the opposite belief not free to that belief? Well, because you don't like it. You find it inconvenient because ultimately, really what the problem is, is the left does not tolerate, use that word deliberately, does not tolerate questioning of them. It is direct and demanded obedience, obey or else. Well, if you say, hey, the uh, virus, the vaccine, quote unquote, isn't working, doesn't work, or has a huge failure rate or whatever, or in young men in particular, causes all sorts of heart problems or could, not all sorts, and it's very, very limited in the number, but still, a significantly higher percentage-wise of people, young men, run risk of heart issues, at least in the short term. We don't have long term yet. At least in the short term. Then they do serious health concerns for COVID. Therefore, they shouldn't probably, unless they have a pre-existing condition, get the shot. Well, you had the power of the federal government reaching out to social media to silence you. That should bother you. That should bother everybody. Because while you might not care about this particular issue, the concept is one you should care about. Because eventually, if you accept the concept, they will get around to something you do care about, theoretically. Now, maybe not if you're a Democrat, because they'll likely always be on your side. But there's a possibility. So even a fascistic Democrat should have some concern. Instead, at that hearing last week, the left demonstrated that they have no concern for the concept. They like the concept. If anything, they're pissed off that the concept has had the doors blown off of it. Right? That it's now, with Elon Musk owning Twitter, they can't get what they want done anymore. 
that ticks them off. That's why they attack Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a is a classical liberal lefty. He's not a conservative in any way, shape, or form, except for when it comes to free speech. That's it. His donations, his activism, it's left-wing, it's social issues, he's down the line, doctrinaire leftist. You wouldn't know the difference between him and Joe Biden, except that Joe Biden has, quote-unquote, evolved over time, whereas Elon Musk has always been this way. But they hate him because he refuses to engage in the censorship they so desperately want. Tells you everything you need to know about the left and their arguments, the way they think they know they can win. They have the best chance of winning is silencing their opponents, whereas conservatives understand that the best way we have to win is to amplify what our opponents say. And along those lines, this is Representative Stacy Plaskett on with Al Sharpton over the weekend. Plaskett is the U.S. representative from the Virgin Islands. She is not a voting member of the House of Representatives, but Democrats threw her on this committee as the ranking member as a token because they don't really, she doesn't count, they're, they're outnumbered, they don't care about this committee. They want people on there who, like Debbie Washer, Herr Schultz, are willing to make complete asses out of themselves in the cause of liberalism. And Plaskett is the same way on that. She is very upset. In this clip, she manages to poo-poo the idea of having any concern whatsoever for the government censoring Americans. And then she <laughs> paints herself as... It's an amazing bit of jujitsu that she does in this. She's all over the place. She's the victim. She's a hero. She is oppressed, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, she has a job she doesn't really have to do, and she's paid $174,000 a year to do it, and she can't vote at all. Give, give us a sense uh, of what the weaponization committee ought to be focused on, because there are some very serious and vital issues that should be explored by this committee that uh, is really been uh, minimized and marginalized by uh, their majoring in things that really don't uh, uh, warrant the kind of attention they want to bring about. Thank you so much. Yes, they are majoring in the minors right now uh, when there are issues that we could be investigating. How about we investigate how Bill Barr weaponized the department, attempted to weaponize the Department of Justice to extend the election fraud lie uh, that the President Trump wanted? How about we even go and look into the IRS, its propensity to audit working class Americans and African Americans more so than they uh, audit wealthy or other individuals uh, who have larger sums of income. How about we look at uh, special FBI agents who have been uh, indicted for colluding with Russians? There are things for us to look into, and I've listed those out to Jim Jordan at various times, and he's absolutely uninterested. And thank you for calling me professional in that exchange. Of course, MAGA World is now saying that, of course, I'm unprofessional, uneducated, etc. Of course you are when you're a black woman going up against uh, someone like Jim Jordan. Someone like Jim Jordan, you know, Whitey. Whitey, someone like Jim. Why don't you just say Whitey? Just say it. You're a victim. Well, uh, people are only calling you stupid because you're stupid. You're sitting there asking Matt Taibbi, what are your sources for this emails? 
I'm not going to reveal my sources. I'm not asking you for your sources, but where did you get them? Well, what the hell do you think? No, 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 it's different. So you won't answer? You won't tell me? You got it from Elon Musk, right? He's your source? I'm not going to reveal my sources. Well, you're not denying it. as you saying that. That's the level of uh, questioning that you brought to this serious issue of the government censoring the American people online. So forgive me if people think you're stupid. I frankly think that that was a little too kind. Calling you stupid lets you off the hook. You don't have a choice. You're stupid. Look, she's dumb. Okay, she can't. She's dumb. That says she knows no better. She knows better. She's not dumb. She's evil. There's a difference. They're corrupt. This is, it's not just her. It's all of these Democrats. We could be looking into this. We could be looking into the IRS. Hey, uh, I know you don't get a vote, but were you aware that your party voted for 87,000 new IRS agents <laughs> with, with no specific mission for those IRS agents except to go out and audit more people and raise more tax revenue? If the IRS is horribly racist and going after uh, not only middle class people to the uh, and letting rich whitey slide and they're particularly targeting people of color. um, Why did your party vote for 87,000 more of them? Just of course, Al Sharpton isn't bright enough to to figure this out or ask these questions. Nobody watching MSNBC is bright enough to figure this out and watch these questions. But I just wanted you to have a sense of who the left is and where they're coming from and what their priorities are. None of them are you. They have a lot of priorities. None of them are you. Unless, of course, you're a uh, trans, non-binary weirdo hanging out at the airport baggage claim stealing Nigerian designers uh, luggage or something like that. Then, then they'll go to bat for you. Then they care for you deeply. So now that we've uh, established that the left has no interest in your uh, rights, your constitutionally protected rights, they're not constitutional rights. They're not gra- People misunderstand the Constitution doesn't grant you rights. The Constitution protects rights with which you were born from government intrusion. And Democrats don't give a damn about that, particularly the First Amendment. They care about freedom of the press. Donald Trump says fake news, and suddenly it's a threat to democracy in general, and we're all going to die, but Democrats literally use their position in government to silence people who say things they don't like, and eh, no big deal. No, but how does this impact RuPaul's drag race? You know, uh, what? Yeah. Well, Ron Brownstein is I believe he's officially contributing editor to the Atlantic magazine. For those of you who don't know, the Atlantic magazine has been around for a very long time. It's a left-wing rag. It is now owned as a plaything by Steve Jobs' widow. I can't remember her name. It doesn't matter. Her only accomplishment was she married Steve Jobs and then inherited his billions. She bought it as a plaything, and she really kind of runs it as a left-wing play. She's a committed leftist, of course. People who don't really earn much in their lives and have it thrust upon them, they don't understand. Why is it, Why are they acting like they're hungry? Oh, because they're, they're poor. Well, why are they poor? Why don't they just marry somebody and inherit their wealth? Look, I can't be bothered with it. I won't give them a sandwich, but I will uh, create an organization that lobbies government to give them a sandwich. Oh, well, it seems like it'd be easier to shut up. 
don't be a racist or something. I'm now going on my boat. I think last I knew she was dating like the former mayor of D.C. or New Orleans, somewhere, I don't know, some leftist former mayor. And um, she's got it for she bought the, the Atlantic because she's got nothing better to do with her time. She doesn't do it. She's got to put the money somewhere, right? So the Atlantic gets to work off this giant pool of money. They don't have to worry about turning a profit because what the hell, how much wine can this woman drink? She's already got the yacht, so she doesn't need to buy another yacht. She's got the mansion. She doesn't need to buy another mansion. And even if she does, she could afford it. So the Atlantic is just a plaything for leftists who continue to go further and further out there. And Ron Brownstein on CNN goes out there and says, what? The, the real thing is we need to make sure that uh, people understand that parents showing up at school boards and objecting to the sexualization of their children are really just white nationalists. That's ultimately what they are. So, by the way, black parents out there who don't appreciate a drag queen coming into your kid's kindergarten class and trip to the library and rubbing their crotch in your kid's face. If you're a black parent, you don't exist. You don't, Or you're white. You're secretly white. If you're Hispanic and you're not a big fan, it doesn't matter. You're uh, also, you might as well be white. You're a white nationalist. The left has an amazing ability to, to put blinders on. They don't really, they don't, that's not true. That's not fair to them. Putting blinders on implies that they have no choice. Put blinders on a horse. The horse is prevented from seeing its peripheral. But it, these people don't want to see their peripheral. Right, they don't want to see their the horse probably wants to see the the left doesn't they pretend it doesn't exist, so it's a whole different skill set. You've got to really give them props for their willingness and ability to lie. You've got to admire that if nothing else, because you just sit there and you go, "Wow, you, you guys are really, really good at just looking at reality and saying, "You're not real, you're not real at all." So this is Ron Brownstein saying that, and there's a Republican or conservative who worked, I think, in the Bush administration. It doesn't matter who he is. He makes a good point at the end. But you'll, you'll hear Brownstein sort of try to shout him down. Ever. The sexualization of children, if you are opposed to that, you're a white nationalist is the latest from the left. Real quick, I mean, look, it's a continuum. I mean, there are very few Republican voters, uh, very few Americans overall who share the precepts of outright white nationalism. But there's no question that the Republican coalition, particularly in the Trump era, is centered on the voters who are most uneasy about the way the country is changing demographically and culturally. I mean, you see in polling up to three quarters of Republican voters say discrimination against whites is now as big a problem as discrimination against minorities. Over 70 percent say the growing number of immigrants is undermining American culture. Uh, three-fifths to two-thirds say society is too soft and feminine and is punishing men just for acting like men. I mean, there is, that is, Donald Trump, you know, in his speech in Iowa, noted last night that he got louder applause talking about how uh, classroom teaching of race, uh, gender, and sexual orientation than he did talking about economic issues. That is where the energy in the party is now. That is what DeSantis is trying to appeal to by, by essentially offering Trumpism uh, without 
Trump. The question remains, though, uh, is that a national majority? I mean, the, the dividing lines between the parties now is not so much economic as it is how you feel about the way the country is changing. That is the fundamental fault line in our politics. And it is clear the energy in the Republican Party is for candidates who express resistance to that in all sorts of ways, from classroom censorship to book bans to what's happening on LGBTQ rights in the, in the red states. Yeah. Um, Scott and Ron, but you can't you so compare. Scott. Let me just say, you, you can't. It just—it's—it is not right to compare a Republican parent who has concerns, who has concerns, yeah. concerns about what's happening in in the classroom with a white nationalist. It's just not correct to say, "Well, I I think it's, schools it's, ought to you know have this kind of curriculum." That doesn't make you a white nationalist to be concerned about what's being saying, taught in a school. I, and so I, I see you're trying, to, you're trying to link them together, but it's not true. Scott, we—I take not, your point. It's, of, not, it's not the same thing. But, but it's not a continuum of concerns about the way the country is changing. <laughs> it's not the same thing, but it's the same thing. I'm not saying what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I'm saying what I'm saying. And it's not the same thing except for that it's the same thing. I have no argument to back up my claims. Shut up, racist. Oh, there you go. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that great? This is how the left views you. You are to be controlled you are to be controlled and you will be in every way shape or form all the way down to the local level here in baltimore my wife sent me this story ah <sighs> good god they've already been banned in california but now one baltimore city councilman can a council man huh bigot much is going after gas-powered leaf blowers. Councilman Ryan Dorsey said the blowers are bad for the environment and are a public nuisance, especially early in the morning. Now, it sounds like Ryan Dorsey's beauty sleep got disrupted by somebody deciding to do some yard work on a Saturday afternoon or maybe even a weekday. You know, these guys don't really have to show up for work, so who the hell knows? Quote, they're obnoxious, Dorsey said. I don't know anybody that appreciates them except for the people who are benefiting from them. I, I, don't, I don't think that Councilman Dorsey understands how stupid that sounds. I'm going to read that quote again because he said it. They're obnoxious. I don't know anybody that appreciates them except for the people who are benefiting from them. Well, yeah. I don't know anybody who appreciates you except for the people who are benefiting from you. I don't know anybody, whatever. I don't appreciate your car unless you give me a ride. <laughs> Does that mean I should tell you you need to sell your car? We need to trash your car. We need to get rid of your car because you don't give me a ride. You've never given me a ride anywhere. I'm not benefiting from this. What kind of stupid crap is this? Some landscapers, perhaps unsurprisingly, oppose banning the blowers this is from bal tv it's such a poorly written piece of crap story of course it could only come from hearst but they're sitting there going, oh, some some landscapers perhaps uns perhaps unsurprisingly hey small business owners seem to have a problem with having to drop thousands of dollars to replace perfectly good equipment because some leftist had his beauty sleep disrupted on a saturday morning you think Quote, I need to work. Everybody needs to make money, said landscaper George Castro. 
I don't know anybody who benefits from them, except for the people, anybody who likes them, except the people who benefit from them. Well, if that's it, uh, everything can be banned or nothing should be banned. It depends. I guess if you're a favored class, you get to choose what, like, where do you fall on the political spectrum? You're a Democrat? All right. So then we won't ban what you care about, even though everybody else thinks it's stupid. Castro owns uh, owns his own landscaping company. He worries a ban would hurt his business. He said he recognizes noise complaints and tried to address them as best he can. Look, it's a two-stroke engine. It's a two-stroke engine. Okay, that's they make noise. You know what else makes noise? Your car makes noise. Your lawnmower makes noise. You know what else? They've always made noise. This has nothing to do with noise. If it was noise, why wasn't the noise an issue a decade ago when they were still making noise? Why wasn't the noise an issue two decades ago when they were still making noise? I would posit that they made more noise back then. These two-stroke engines have become more efficient since then. They've become more compact since then. They're not these giant things without muffler. You can have a muffler on there. You can do all sorts of things. They do. It's the concept. They don't like it. They want you to be fully electric. That's what they want. They're funded by the environmental movement. They get, uh, let's just say, pleasure from people in the environment. They're all leftists. They all group think. They're using it to justify. And that's just, they usually choose a better reason than, oh, they're obnoxious. It wakes me up. I can't sleep in. Well, I'm sorry, councilman. You're paid a ton of money to do a really piss poor job on the city council of Baltimore that you don't get to sleep in. You know, frankly, you're, a lot of your constituents or a lot of people in the city don't get to sleep in. They don't get to sleep out. They don't get to go to bed at night without hearing gunshots. Ryan Dorsey does not live in a neighborhood where he hears gunshots in the night. Because the neighborhoods where you hear gunshots in the night and gunshots in the morning are not really the neighborhoods that have lawns where somebody's going to come along and blow leaves. It's the row house neighborhoods where there's nothing to leaf blow. You've got 10 feet in front of the house. It's all concrete and a stoop made of marble. That's it. Ryan Dorsey lives in a wealthier neighborhood where people have yards and people leaf blow. Not very many of those in Baltimore. But they need representation, too. And by the way, the people who own the businesses, the George Castros of the world, I bet you dollars to donuts, they don't live in those neighborhoods. I bet you that George Castro doesn't have a nice, if he lives in the city, if he lives in the suburbs, sure. But if he lives in the city, he probably doesn't have a nice front yard that needs a leaf blower. Or if he does or lives in the suburbs, he's got employees who don't. Employees who will be put out of work if Dorsey gets his way. But he doesn't care. None of them care. This is about control. We need to move everybody to batteries. We need to do this. When we get to rolling blackout stage in five years, when we get to the rolling blackouts in five, ten years, whatever it is, remember moments like this. As Democrats are taking perfectly good technology. Oh, it's an air pollutant. It's an air pollutant. Well, you go out and you, do you suck on the uh, exhaust of a wind of a leaf blower? Do you do that? Do you do that? I, I don't know. Maybe Dorsey does. He's a weird guy. He could do that. 
other than that, you're probably not going to get asthma because somebody ran a leaf blower, right? Probably not going to do that. But they don't care. I said dance. I said jump. I am in the government. Remember Lord Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine in the uh, Star Wars movies. I am the Senate. Dorsey, I am the power. The Democrats, I am the political power. You'll do what I tell you to do. California has banned leaf blowers. Oh, well, California must be utopia then. California is so wonderful that a whole bunch of people with a lot of money and well-paying jobs have moved there to live in a tent on the sidewalk or something, right? Is that Because that's what I see out in California. It's what I see in Baltimore. It's what I see in pretty much every place Democrats control without question. Yeah, How about you focus on what matters? Well, no. See, Democrats on city councils and governments and legislatures all across the country, they can't focus on what matters. They spend too much time on what really matters. They spend a lot of time on crime, talking, trying to solve crime. Then they take ownership of that. Then when it doesn't work because their solutions, quote unquote, are never actually solutions, there's more left-wing policies and they're going to fail because that's what they do. The left-wing policies created the mess that we're in right now. More left-wing policies are not going to change it. Hey, I know how to get out of this hole. We've dug for ourselves. How's that? We keep digging. Let's keep digging. All right. I don't think that's right. Oh, come on. Let's do it. Then suddenly you become the guy in the hole who led everybody to dig a deeper hole. If you say we're going to address crime, we're really going to do it, I'm going to focus like a laser on that, and crime doesn't go anywhere because your policy is to embrace criminals and to screw over victims, you might be held, I mean, granted it's a risk in a place like Baltimore, but you might be held accountable by voters sooner or later at some point. If only in a primary, you could be held to account for voters. But if you do stupid things like, uh, we need to get rid of leaf blowers because and to the extent that anybody thinks of a leaf blower, they probably do think of it in the vapid way Dorsey thinks of it. Oh, man, that one Saturday morning when the neighbor blew the leaves too early and I heard it. Or I was sleeping one off. I slept till 10 and at 10 o'clock it went off the stupid neighbor, stupid leaf blower. Not you who killed a 12-pack and was going to sleep till noon until the neighbor decided that they were not going to waste a Saturday the way you were. Or, you know, I mean, this is this is the world that these people live in. I'll fix a problem that doesn't exist. But when you talk about the problem, everybody thinks is obnoxious. Unless, of course, they benefit from it in any way, shape or form. Or if you own one or you sell them. By the way, the most uh, likely group to own a landscaping company in the city of Baltimore is the most likely group to own a landscaping company and work in landscaping pretty much anywhere in this country. They ain't white like Dorsey. Does that make Dorsey a racist? Yeah, actually. Actually, most of his policies and his progressivism make him a racist, too. But this is just another brick in the wall. Of course, he won't be accused of that because he's progressive. As uh, Now, I, I talked about this earlier. I've got to play you some other audio. Let's do the San Francisco reparations story first because it's just a, a sad commentary on the state of humanity these days. And the power of the Democratic... Look, you're not going to find a bluer area than san francisco it's just it's 
you can't afford to live there. Nobody can afford to move there except for rich people. But the people who've already been there, they they got in on the ground floor. They now they they can't move because they could they'd have to leave the area. But they got rent control. They got if they got in early and bought property, they're they're sitting pretty. But their quality of life kind of sucks because they can't afford anything else except for to sit into their houses that they probably haven't updated since 1977. So when the city of San Francisco is floating around the idea of reparations because they're super woke, super woke, they chased all the black people out. Now they say, well, now we want to pay the black people who live in San Francisco. We chased out 90% of them. You priced them out of the, doesn't matter. Now we care. So you got wealthier minorities living there, wealthy everybody, wealthy homeless people. I bet you the homeless junkies on the street of San Francisco aren't going to qualify for this. They want to pay $5 million for reparations. <laughs> because why not? Let's give money to people who didn't suffer from slavery, from people who did not own slaves. That sounds like justice. I question anybody who views that as justice. I don't believe they understand the definition of the word. Anyway, UK Daily Mail. San Francisco residents lined up at a city board meeting last night to share their full-throated support for a wide-eyed reparations plan that would award every black resident $5 million, wipe their personal debt, guarantee $97,000 in income for 250 years, and $1 homes. Wow. I mean, you want to talk about buying votes. Frankly, I find the people who go, you know what? I will absolutely, totally be a ward of the state. Please help me. You want to talk about slavery right there? You're just selling yourself to the Democratic Party. I will forever be in your debt. I will do whatever you say. I will not think for myself. I pro You cut me a big enough check. I will do whatever you say. It's not quite slavery because there's a lot of money involved, but none of it is earned. And it's all for a little piece of your, well, actually not even, for that kind of money, you're getting all the soul. And nobody's like, you sold a little piece of my soul. No, no, no. For five million bucks, wiping out all your debt, $97,000 in income and for 250 years, and being able to buy a home for a dollar, they bought the whole thing. But no one at the emotional meeting where residents burst into song and begged to be made whole asked how the struggling debt-addled city might pay for it. I don't care. I want San Francisco to do this, quite honestly. I want to see the moral hazard. I want to see the havoc that it wreaks. And I want to see San Francisco go absolutely bankrupt. And I want to see the pressure on Gavin Newsom in Sacramento to go, we've got to follow suit now. Because everything the left does is a woke-off. Reparation and blah, blah, blah. I want to play you this montage. It's actually not even a montage. It is four minutes of the everybody gets like a minute to come up at the city council. These things are the biggest jokes in the world. You get one minute to speak or you get 90 seconds or two minutes. Whenever it is, I don't care what the cause is. It just means that the politicians, they have to – it's lip service. They're pretending. All right, we don't really care what you have to say, people. You're the great unwashed. We're going to do whatever it is we do. No minds are changed in this. Uh, the school board meetings are the same thing. Parents get up and scream and yell, oh, you're terrible, terrible. Then what happens? They go, still, we're going to fund the trans dance hour in preschool. 
Like what? Well, every literally everybody here was saying you shouldn't do this. Yeah, we don't care. We're the we're the government. We're going to do it. So these things are just kabuki theater. All they are for is for people to have a chance to go viral. It's a waste of time. The only thing that isn't a waste of time is getting your ass out there and running and getting involved yourself. You don't like what your school board is doing. You don't like what your city council is doing. Get involved. Run. Or volunteer for a candidate who is not as bad as these people. Whatever it takes. That's the only thing that matters. In between elections, they don't give a damn about what you think. They never will. They never will. But anyway, it's being San Francisco, there's a conga line of crazy people, stupid people, leftists, coming in and voicing their full-throated support for $5 million in reparations. They want, they want theirs. They deserve it. Now, none of these people look like they are, they look, they look like they're rich and crazy. They look like they've got money. Maybe not rich, but they got money and they're crazy. That's how they dress. Just judging by the video. Some of them go off on tangents about ones that are going on about a jazz documentary. It just shows you who, like this person's vote counts just as much as yours. This is who Democrats are appealing to. That and wealthy white women will drink wine in the afternoon because they have no meaning to their life. Here is the uh, sea of humanity out in San Francisco celebrating the idea that they're going to get rich for the color of their skin. My name is Antoinette, last name Mobley. Y'all know Emmett Till and all them, right? Them my folks. Well, I just wanted to come tonight to say thank you guys, everyone who's working on this. Uh, my mom are retired here in Baby Hunters Point in 1981 from the Peninsula London Exchange. No benefits, no pensions, no sick leave, no, no leave, no benefits. So reparations are truly due to folks here in San Francisco. I also want to um, thank um, Supervisor Walton for spearheading this, along with Mayor Breed, um, Shell Davis, I've just heard so much about you, and it's just a pleasure to hear you speak tonight. I thank you for your energy, Tanisha Hollins and San Francisco Black Wall Street. One thing I want to just say in closing is that we as a people are known to never leave anyone behind. Harriet Tubman didn't. Thank so you. I encourage you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good evening. My name is Joan Mathis. I've been in this community all my life. I work hard. Everyone I know works hard. Everyone here works hard. You're working hard on something that will help my community. And I thank you for that. And I want you to know that my children, my children's children, and their children need to be noticed for what they are, recognized for what they can do because they all work hard. And I thank you, and I wish that this referendum goes past. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. My name is Darlene Roberts. I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1947 in the basement of Moton Memorial Hospital. 
It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I learned in order to conquer civil wrongs, I had to fight for my civil rights. When I moved to San Francisco in 1965, I was 18 years old. That makes me 76. So I learned then, when I went to Bothan and I met Miles Davis, I was a rock and roll lover, but I love jazz. So as a result, I created Fillmore Jazz Ambassadors. And because of Dreamkeepers and Cheryl Davis and the budget and the mayor and the supervisors, we now are working on a documentary, 150 years of jazz history in San Francisco. It's gonna start from the Barbary Coast to Harlem of the West, all the way down to today. That's because jazz is a metaphor for all our music. So that's what we're pushing here. We wanna thank you and we wanna tell you that there can be no reparations without Dream Keepers. Dream Keepers is gonna just help us keep up after that reparations. We gotta be able to keep up after the reparations. We don't want to turn this backwards. So I wanna thank, thank you. you all for listening to me and for tolerating this loud voice. Thank you so much. And all much. this passion that I have for this. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Next speaker, please. I'm done? I'm done. I had to come here tonight. My name is Yolanda Williams. I'm the president of the Officers for Justice Peace Officers Association. I represent the black peace officers here in San Francisco. I'm going to say this. My dad always taught me never to beg. And I'm not begging you today. But I am telling you, when my parents migrated here from Louisiana to San Francisco, it was for a hope and a dream that they would be treated fairly and equally. And for them to have had to witness the racial disparity that I received in this city as a peace officer was absolutely atrocious. It is time for you to do the right thing and provide us with the reparations. Make us whole. Make us important in your lives. Black Lives Matter. You have an opportunity to demonstrate this today. Do so with reparations and support Ms. Cheryl Davis with the Dream Keepers Initiative. Thank you. Sea of humanity. Not a redeeming one, not a sane one in there. Not a, I'm talking about a, making, you sound really horribly oppressed. You're spending your time making jazz documentaries nobody cares about. Boy, if we only had that kind of freedom. For the low, low cost of $5 million per person. San Francisco is going to do this. Now, it'll probably be sued, and they'll, what they'll likely do, here's my guess. They're going to say, we're going to pass this referendum. They're going to put some sort of funding mechanism in it that certain benchmarks have to be met in the city's finances before the money can be spent out, the money can be spent. Those benchmarks will never be met, but the concept will have been broached. And that'll be enough for the left. Not enough for those people you heard. They really think they're going to get $5 million each. But this is about the concept, because the federal, the left wants the federal government to do this. And then they want to set about the dismantling of the United States of America after that. It's now a race to see, can we bankrupt the country before we cut everybody a, a multi-million dollar check? But it is a scam. It is a grift. It is a racist appeal. 
It is the antithesis of Martin Luther King. So every time you hear one of these people talk about these progressives, oh, Martin Luther King, just know that they take every bathroom break on his metaphorical grave. Every single one of them. Now I want to shift to New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. Oh, Newark, New Jersey. Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Look, every, most cities, anyway, I can't say every city. They have these sister city programs. When I grew up, my, uh, what was it, my, um, my theater, my acting teacher. I didn't have an acting, it was like in school, there was acting. It was one of the elective courses you could take. Uh, to, if you wanted to be in plays, you'd take acting. If you really just wanted to screw around and get into easy A or B, you took acting. And the uh, teacher there for the first year was a guy, first name was Manfred, big German guy. And he was there, and he, he was also, he was from Germany. I Oddly enough, he was the youngest U-boat commander in the German army during World War II. He was 13 years old, where he was drafted, because the Nazis had burned through everybody, and uh, they started taking children and putting them out there. He actually received the Iron Cross from Adolf Hitler himself in Hitler's last public appearance. There's footage and, and a picture of it in a book that was in our library. But he was, you know, 13 years old. Hey, do you want to fight? No. Well, then you're going to die. Hey, wait, I'll fight. Um, he was the head of the sister city thing, whatever the hell it was. And he was head of it because it was a country, uh, a city in Austria, I think it was. It was the sister city of, of my little podunk town. I don't even remember what it was. But what that meant was he got a group of people together every year to go over and visit the sister city. They had, I remember they had a little office in a dingy gray building across the street from a little dingy town hall. And uh, so he'd organize it and get a bunch of people to go he could be the tour guide. He obviously spoke German. He spoke English with a heavy German accent. Really nice guy. But he got a free annual trip, I assume, for him and his wife over to Germany and Austria or wherever, the general region, so he could lead this tour group. That was part of the deal. It's a pretty sweet deal for him. That's really seemingly the only benefit that there was. I do not remember. I remember some parades as a kid. I never remember like a people wearing later hose and walking around. I don't remember there being major tour groups of Redford, Michigan. Like, why the hell would anybody... It's it's like, I don't know, eight miles long and one mile wide, maybe? What would you do? Like, hey, there's the cultural center. No, it's not a cultural center. It's a strip mall. Well, yeah, but still. I love where I grew up with the Chamber of Commerce it has a pretty tough sell. Like, hey... Europeans, you know, I know you got all this culture around you, but come to, to Redford where we've got an ice rink and some softball fields. It's, it's nothing against the city. It's just not that big. It's not that much. By the way, if you go too far to the other side, uh, to the the east, you'll go into Detroit and you'll run risk of being shot. So good luck to you. Not not a, It's a tough sell, to say the least, for the Chamber of Commerce. Well, Newark, New Jersey is at least a larger city. They've got, you know, things near there to do it so that they would have a lot of options for a sister city. They decided to go with Calissa, I believe, the uh, uh, the island of Calissa, the nation of Calissa, whatever the hell it is, some sort of cultural exchange thing. The reason I'm sitting here having difficulty pronouncing it and whatever the hell it is is because it doesn't exist. Listen to this report. 
What started off as a seemingly well-intentioned partnership has turned into a giant embarrassment for the city of Newark. Earlier this year, Mayor Ross Baraka invited what he thought was the Hindu nation of Kailasa to Newark City Hall for a cultural trade agreement. But it turns out Kailasa is no nation at all. It's a fake. Very embarrassing for the city. I truly don't even have words for it. I'm really sorry for the city that they got duped in that way. <laughs> it doesn't exist. We have a cultural agreement with somebody who doesn't exist. It was allegedly a Hindu nation off the coast of Ecuador on an island. That should have been a giveaway. <sighs> Though it has a detailed website, Kailasa has no real government. It's the brainchild of Swami Nithyananda, a notorious scam artist and fugitive from India who has been on the run from rape charges since 2019. Whose job was it to do a simple Google search, right? As you said, like, no one in City Hall, not one person did a Google search. So maybe we need a transformation of City Hall because not one person said, let me go on Google and figure out this was a fake city. This guy gets it. This guy, nobody decided to look this up. On the line. Nobody thought it was odd that anybody goes, you know what? I want to partner with Newark, New Jersey. Let, you know what? The East Coast murder capital. I, we need an East Coast murder capital. Let's see. We go to Baltimore. We go to Philadelphia. We go to, let's try Newark. They'll fall for it. <laughs> Whose job was it to Google this? Nobody's job. Nobody's job. <laughs> a few days after the papers were signed, city council rescinded the agreement. This is an oversight. Cannot happen any longer. The New York City Hall insists no money was exchanged in this deal to become sister cities. The mayor's office told us based on the deception, the ceremony was groundless and void. In a statement, City Hall said, although this was a regrettable incident, the city of Newark remains committed to partnering with people from diverse cultures in order to enrich each other with connectivity, support, and mutual respect. It's great. Show love to the Hindu brothers and sisters, but yeah, it's a moment. Residents hope the next sister city comes with a Google search. <laughs> the, the ambassador from Oompa Loompa Land has announced that it has joined forces with the people of Newark to condemn <laughs> Kailasa's deception. Yeah, no, no we, we, we joined forces with a guy who's wanted in India for rape and has been on the run for a long time. Yeah, congratulations. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And if it, uh, if anybody wants to partner with a city with a lot of murders, you should always be suspicious. No money changed hands. Uh, that makes me think money changed hands. Good God. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all we have for you today. I appreciate the use of your ears. Thanks for spreading the word. Tell a friend. Remind them how awesome it is and tell them to be here tomorrow to do it all over again because the crazy never stops. Thank you.